0: Ghibli Jabber. I'm Nick and I'm here with Trevor. On each episode of Ghibli Jabber, we discuss one of the works of Japanese film studio Studio Ghibli through the eyes of a fan, that's me, and through the eyes of a Ghibli newbie, which is Trevor. This week we're discussing Isao Takahata's 1991 film Only Yesterday, based on a manga about a 27-year-old Tokyo woman named Taiko who takes a vacation to the country in 1982. Throughout the trip, she thinks back to 1966 when she was a 10-year-old girl. So, I've mentioned in the past, uh, in previous episodes, that what I tend to gravitate towards most in animation, especially in Studio Ghibli films, is that sense of escapism, with the art form providing a safe space to experience things which a live-action medium couldn't easily replicate. However, outside of animation, the movies I tend to gravitate towards are slice-of-life dramas, which do something that I think we all crave deep down, which is to see parts of ourselves reflected on screen and to allow ourselves to empathise and agonise over what we see. Now, Only Yesterday is telling a story that could have easily been made as a live-action film. It's a very gentle drama about a nostalgic 27-year-old who spends a lot of a two-hour film picking flowers and daydreaming. So, Trevor, I'll end this by asking you two questions. Firstly, as someone who enjoys a character-driven story like you do, did this movie hit your sweet spot? Mm-hmm. And secondly, a little guesswork on your part. Do you think this movie did enough with the visual art form of animation to draw me in and keep me engaged despite telling a story that on the surface may not be classed as especially cinematic?
1: <sighs> oh, those are two fun questions. I'm nervous about the last one. But um, to answer both those questions, ooh, this might be long, but you kind of hit, you hit on one of the biggest aspects in your in your speech in the beginning about this movie is that it easily could have been live action instead of animated. Um, and that's something that kind of jumped out to me immediately. I will say that, yes, I, I enjoyed the film. I will say that it's not one of my favorites that we've watched. And I think that maybe that's going to surprise you. Um, but I think that maybe this is going to come off as so contradictory and like hypocritical in terms of everything I've said prior. But this film felt more like to me... I wanted it to be live action. I thought it was super fun experimentally. The fact that, like you said, they took a film that should have been live action or quote unquote should have um, and tried something completely new and and new by the aspect of focusing on just a, a slice in this woman's life and her her looking back on the things that have, the moments in her life that have formed her and uh, made her who she is today um but it's not terribly i don't know it was beautiful very very beautiful i've I've written down so many of my favorite shots for this for this episode because there were many that struck me um but i just kept having that little thing in the back of my head being like oh gosh i kind of wish i was watching a live action film um and then Oh, in terms of did this hit your sweet spot? I would hope so. I think it's so 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 beautiful, um, and I think that they do enough of the flashbacks to keep you engaged with the film, even if it is like a slow moving kind of character drama or character not even a character drama, more of just like a character arc and growth of just a human being in this moment of their life. Um, but I don't know. Tell you, tell me, did it hit your sweet spot?
0: Well, before I get to that, I want to I want to get I want you to elaborate a little bit on why you didn't necessarily enjoy this as much as an animated movie. What do you mean you wanted it? You wished it was live action. What What, what were you missing from the animated art form that you thought would have been improved by watching
1: it as a live action film? Yeah, um, so I think that one of the biggest things that is the difference between at least. Uh, 2d animation compared to 3d animation i think there's been some intense strides in terms of being able to emanate uh, uh what's the facial expressions and um like there's there's a better way for them to act for these characters to act i think it's really hard for in 2d to capture humans facial expressions very well um it like i said the film is so incredibly beautiful and those aspects of it probably worked better than in a live action. You'd almost need like a Terence Malick cinematography moment to make it just as beautiful as this film was. But because it was this character drama and because I was supposed to be drawn in by this, this woman's reflection on her life, it was hard for me to get drawn into her because I couldn't see her emote. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say
0: that character design is the thing that Ghibli necessarily excels in. Like I've, I've mentioned on on a few occasions, that, uh, you know, a lot of their character designs are, feel like they sort of are, are reused and recycled. Um, but I, mean, I remember a long time ago, I think looking at like this behind-the-scenes this fe- behind features um, on the DVD for this, and it was about how they've mm-hmm. never none of the animators had ever created a character that was that age before like 27 is not the sort of character that um anime usually explores they're usually you know children Mm -hmm. or teenagers or you know there's the grandparents or maybe just like the mother you know so like in the 40s or 50s but rarely is it sort Mm -hmm. of a young adult and that they sort of spend a lot of time trying to sort of get the character animation correct
1: for that and you know
0: just you know, getting the particular lines on. And the I face think they line. did,
1: yeah, and I think they did. And I'm not I'm not saying that it's not, I don't know, not not good. And it wasn't like a. I think that the exercise of just making this film is pretty astounding, and that I think the fact that their studio signed off on a film that like is about a 27 year old woman, like you just said, they've never really done this before, and. With the expectation of like, is this going to be financially viable? Are people going to want to come and see this? And I know this became came on, I mean, went on on to be like the highest grossing film for that year, which Mm -hmm. shows that there was an appetite for it, which is super exciting to me that there was an appetite. I guess, I guess what I meant is I just, I couldn't shut that voice off in the back of my head of like, I want to see this character in real life, but Mm. I still liked the film.
0: Yeah, I feel like I maybe like this slightly more than you. I think, I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, you said maybe you're contradicting yourself or something. I mean, we can, you can look at two different movies and get two different things from them and want want something from one movie and then something else from another movie. I think, I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I mean, the answer to my one is that it did absolutely keep me engaged. And one of the things that I think I've mentioned a lot on top of the sort of escapism that I like to see I've mentioned it in other films, um, I, um, especially in, I think, Grave of the Fireflies, I talk about it, because I think Takahata does it even better than Miyazaki because his stories are a bit more character-driven. Um, but mm-hmm. I feel like Ghibli takes the time to capture, like, the time and effort to capture those realistic wrinkles of life. Like, I feel like it's very, um, the animation is very mm-hmm. nuanced in particular in capturing certain moments like whether it's a way a piece of cloth blows in the wind or how a character might fidget awkwardly with their clothes or something, I feel like a lot of attention is paid to that. Like when I said in the intro that I enjoy sort of of slice-of-life dramas in the way they sort of can uncannily reflect the human experience on the screen, I think in animation, especially in, in these movies, it works on two levels because I can appreciate the dramatic power of those images but I can also admire the artistry behind them and sort of the textures and the attention to detail that bring those images to life. And that's something that you can't get as much out of just pointing a camera at something. So I feel like I enjoy these movies on two levels, even though they're doing something, they're showing something quite simple. So uh, Mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit more about what you thought of the story and how you thought this sort of fit into the, the Ghibli narrative so far, Did this feel quite different to you?
1: Oh, yeah, this one. I mean, not not the animation, like you said. There's kind of like the same beats in terms of like their artistic style. Um, I think there are some new things, like you said, obviously the 27-year-old woman. But um, so I I think it fits within the style in that sense. But it's very, I mean, this is incredibly different. This is a serious, like, it's just a drama, like a drama of real life. Like, I kept writing down in my notes how... How often it was able, it was, they started to portray things that were just so real and that I didn't expect them to portray in an animated film. Like going through puberty, getting their periods, and like the very natural reaction of that kids have to that once they figure out maturation and things like that. And then like the frustration with certain school subjects, like she hates math and, uh, and then frustration with boys. I mean, we see that in movies all the time, but there are some of these very serious, real moments in life that seem kind of they're just so natural they seem kind of mundane to us but it is always a f- worthwhile thing to explore in art and then in different mediums and so it was i don't know i was i didn't expect i mean obviously i go into all these films a little blind and so i didn't expect to watch it th- this type of film so that was refreshing
0: um yeah it's I mean the movie itself is it's really a series of mundane moments and mundane memories, but that's sort of
1: <laughs>
0: the beauty of it I think that it's not it's not telling any sort of yeah. vast narrative, but in focusing on those sort of small details it's it's telling a very true and human story i mean I have some issues with the construction of it, but I kind of like that the memories it's not telling one long story in the flashback. It's kind of like popping in and out of random memories. You know, there'll be a pineapple cutting. There'll be, you know, the children getting their period. There'll be like the relationship. There'll be like a memory of this kid that annoyed her. And I mean, that's how we sort of remember things. We, you know, we'll randomly see something and then that will sort of trigger something in our memory. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, you see a pineapple. Mm -hmm. It's like, remember when our family bought a pineapple, which is obviously not not something, not a memory that I had necessarily of the first family pineapple, but um, it's just such a, it's such a weird specific thing <laughs> that is very, I, I found very true. Like, you know, I, I've never had that experience, but there could have been something quite, there's probably similar things, you know, mm-hmm. would trigger, you know, just remembering a random family meal, nothing that exciting, but just, you know, seeing a certain you know, Christmas pudding and then, being taken back to the Christmas of whatever year and remembering that in detail. So I I, I like, I do like the oh sort of God. randomness of it, the flashbacks.
1: Oh, and they do so well. They do so well to do those flashbacks too. Like I kept, I just, they are so seamless and they fit in with the moments. Like you said, it's these random moments that take her back to these other random moments in her life, but they're connected in a certain way. And they're helping her. I don't know. What's the word uh process things that are going on in her current day by looking back on things that happened to her when she was younger. Like one of my favorite lines, I'm going to butcher it, but essentially she was on the train and she was coming in, I mean, out into the, the, the more rural area. And she was like, I didn't intend to bring my fifth grade self with me on this trip, but clearly she's always around like that year. And that just like struck with me. It was after one of the flashbacks, she's like getting ready to get off the train in that kind of moment. And, loved that and then there was another moment where um i don't remember the young girl of the family she's staying with but the, she wants like new shoes and she wants pumas hmm. and then <laughs> she which also random side note that is one of the most random moments i've ever seen in one of <laughs> these films is when she's like puma and like and it shows that image of a puma and i'm like, what? And and like where that. did that come from <laughs> um Anywho, but then when she goes back into the house and she's, um, she, I loved it because it was so, 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 so cinematic where she's kind of standing and she's doing something and she hears herself complaining, her sister complaining about her always getting things like, to her parents. Like, oh, Tycho, you, oh, you're always giving Tycho things and Tycho's, you know, whining. And then she turns, her older self turns around and she sees her family and herself eating their dinner that shot too I was like oh this is this is like a, a film
0: yeah it's very seamlessly done and i also like it's not particularly heavy-handed in the way that like her looking back doesn't like solve all of her current day problems really she like she thinks back and then goes like Mm-mm. oh that was stupid or you know like it, 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 it it's not her thinking back is going to solve all of her issues it's not they're not neatly packaged. They're kind of like I said. They're sort of random things, which you know she she does get something from reflecting on it, but nothing like her world isn't changed because she remembered yeah. that you know life is short or something. Or you know she doesn't. There's not some big sort of moral from the memories. Well, let me ask you. Why do you think? Because it's not hundred percent explained. Why do you think she's thinking of that year? Like why why ten years old? Do you um, do you have a thought?
1: Yeah, I think that I think it was her that was the year in which she was kind of thrust out of innocence. I so like to I don't know when I took it from one of my old English courses, this idea that characters go on journeys and you go on a journey, you come in with a certain paradigm, you go on this journey, when I mean, that could be a metaphorical journey, and then you leave at the other end of that journey with a new paradigm or your paradigm has shifted the way in which you see the world. And I think that that age is such a was a turning point for her. She's she's maturing or she's at least learning about maturing. Um, she's starting to interact with boys. There's this, like, a boy has a crush on her. She's starting to realize what that means. Um, she's realizing she has differences between her and other people in terms of, like, finances or abilities to go on vacations. And so I think it was a turning point in her life where she was no longer, quote-unquote, innocent and naive to the world around her. And she started to realize that, people are different and I didn't get dealt the same hand in life but then we're also also similar um that sound that's probably gonna sound so stupid when somebody's listening to me say that but um I think that yeah do you do you have any thoughts on that or do you have a different opinion
0: no I think it's I mean obviously these things maybe at the time uh, I guess there are a lot of you know formative things in sort of a young person's life you know your first crush you know, maturing into womanhood, like having to think about the future for the first time, sort of, you know, this is where things sort of got decided for her that, you know, she wasn't going to focus on acting necessarily. She'll have to focus on her work, that, you know, study is important and she has to sort of, you know, she's not really making a decision on her future then, but in a way, like what, what her parents are sort of feeding into her is sort of, you know, sort of laying the laying the track for her journey down the road but I mean you know it Mm -hmm. you know they could have picked a a couple years on and had slightly different things and it still would have worked but um I suppose it's just yeah and her you know having a period for the first time yeah I guess it is sort of a coming out of innocence into a slightly more complicated world I do love the part at the beginning Mm -hmm. like you were saying where she's like let's go to the family like home in the country like she doesn't even know if she has one or not she's just like assuming because all the other kids are saying they're doing that it's like let's go and the mom's like we don't have one she's like what about grandma? grandma's like grandma's lives with us like what about grandpa's like grandpa's dead shut up you know what did you think of um how the her parents were characterized or or the, the her whole family dynamic how do you think that was handled
1: uh very very Ooh, I, I keep, I love, I, this is the episode of Innocence for Trevor, but I keep going back to <clears throat> that, especially with the parents. Like, I think that, I think this is a pivotal moment in her life where she realized that her parents aren't always necessarily her protectors and they're not going to always fix and do everything for her. Like, the moment where her dad hits her because she's being a brat and she's acting out, and I think that, like, that shook her and that was a moment of, like, oh, okay, um my parents aren't all just lovey-dovey and they won't just buy me things and they don't just do everything. Like I have to be uh, like a mature young person and grow up a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and I think that that's kind of mirrored through her sisters with her sisters being like, why do you consistently baby her? Why does she get everything kind of thing? And that's just like the family. Di- that's just such a real fi- family dynamic. Like, you know, the baby of the family usually is babied and the other mm. kids tend to not be babied like the baby <laughs> so i thought that, that was a very we'd love the word real it's a very real dynamic yeah i think everything about about this film is is
0: very real and yeah they there's a great sort of dynamic you know where especially amongst like you know amongst the sisters you know they could be very friendly one second and then like they'll just turn on a dime and just mm-hmm. like start screaming. It's like, you know, you can't have that purse or what's wrong with you with your marks? And, you know, the, right. the math stuff, they're like, oh, she's she needs help. <laughs> Sorry. To oh, like when she's when she overhears like the mother saying, you know, but our child's not normal. And she's just like in the background, like has yeah. having just walked down the stairs and everyone is just like, oh God. But that's just such a thing that could easily happen. You know, my, my parents were always saying that about me constantly. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, they might have, I, I, didn't, I didn't have to work in on it, thankfully. That tracks. Yeah, excuse me. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts about the... What, could you say bifurcated narrative? Like the two stories being told at the same time. How do you think that works for you? Because my... Anything sort of negative that I have to say about the movie, because I really love this movie, but I think the thing I like least about it is perhaps maybe the imbalance in terms of i'm i i'm more interested generally in what in the flashback sequences and i feel like when we go to the present day i'm a little bit less engaged and also i feel like the um the narration is a little bit overused and a bit on the nose sometimes to be honest i think there's a lot of that in the present day ones where she's like just talking about you know some of it's fine like you know when she's trying to analyze why she's brought her 10 year old self along but then there's like lots of you know should go into metaphors about butterflies and say you know things like all these things kept flooding back like a lot of things are just like mm, like that's not necessary we, we know what they're flooding back i thought it was overused a little bit what, what was your thought did you gravitate towards one more than the other
1: oh, interesting i actually completely forgot this film even had voiceover but now that you mention it, it has a lot of it um no shocker here, but I gravitated more towards her older self. And I think that that's kind of why I had this desire for it to be live action, because I wanted to see that older self emote more, but I'm not going to touch on that again. Because for me, when her younger self, we, I don't need a lot of the the emoting because we, we know the kicks and drums of a child and their reactions to things. And I don't need to necessarily see those facial expressions, Um but I think that that's kind of what maybe makes the present day a little bit more slow or as some would may call like quote unquote boring because of that. Um, But to touch on the narration, I'm a, I know so many people, especially a lot of my film friends um, absolutely hate narration. And part of me, part of me understands why. And then I think the reason why I personally love it is just because obviously personal taste and it has nothing to do with the the filmic qualities of narration. I just live for it. It kind of melds melds film and literature in a very beautiful way for me. But one of my favorite things that they, I mean, I went to like a film high school for a couple of years and one of my, one thing that was always stressed anytime we were making a film was, show me, don't tell me. You're a film for a reason, so show me. You don't need to tell me what's going on. And I think that that's kind of why people hate narration is because, like you said, it's kind of heavy-handed. It's like, we know you're going into a flashback right now. You don't need to tell me that you're going into a flashback right now. So um, get that. But it helped me... It helped me what's the word I'm searching for? It helped me understand her more. And it helped me connect with the character more through kind of those moments. And not that she was saying anything profound, Mm -hmm. but well, maybe with the butterfly stuff, but in those moments to just like listen and get to the kicks and drums of how she feels. Um, But I totally get why people don't like narration. Like I would never argue for it.
0: I don't mind it so much if, I mean, it can be a very useful tool, especially if you're sort of having to provide a lot of context very quickly to get sort of an audience up to speed on things. But I don't think ne- it was necessarily even used for that because there's not necessarily a lot of context that has to be given. I mean, yeah, it, it could be um, mm-hmm. explaining her sort of inner dialogue, but then she also has very long se- sequences of dialogue with with uh, the guy who she has a bit of a crush on, with, the girl that she's staying with, like the younger girl who mentioned the Pumas. Like there are a lot, there are long scenes of people talking to each other in those sequences. So I almost, and you know, she's even explaining to them about the 10 year old self coming along and and all those memories. Her inner dialogue didn't necessarily have to be sort of expressed through a lot of that narration because she's talking to people anyway. It'd be different if it was like if she was just on her own picking flowers or something. Yeah. Like, in, like you said, it's like if it was, like, just a Terrence Malick movie where she was just, like, by herself <laughs> in the woods kind of thing, um, then I definitely understand the purpose of the narration. I just thought, yeah, maybe a little bit overdone. Well, well why did you, what about the the modern-day sequences or the adult sequences did you um, relate to? Or why was that the part of the movie that you um, enjoyed the most?
1: I think you kind of you hit it very on you hit on very early in this pod this episode rather, um that it's capturing everyday life and that that we want to see ourselves in films and we want to relate to ourselves in films and I think that you know as somebody who's coming up on the end of their twenties it was I related to that character more than the kids but I mean then her then her younger self her fifth grade self and so. I actually, I, I do, I see I see myself looking back on things that had an impact on me when I was younger and made me form into the human being I am now. And I just think that that's something that's super natural as you, you end your 20s and you're getting into your 30s and it's probably people do it as they go into their 40s. I don't think necessarily people ever stop, but I think that as we try to understand what makes us tick, what why do we react to things that we react through that we react to um why do we care about certain things um yeah
0: okay so it, it spoke to you more at the stage in life that you are at the moment correct and you wanted to yeah see that reflected okay i understand that yeah i mean i i didn't it's not that i didn't really care about the character at that point i just thought they probably because the flashbacks have the benefit of just being able to show sort of random fun moments whereas. In the in the present day, obviously, there's not as much happening really. It's sort of just she goes out to the country, and she has sort of like very sort of long conversations with that guy, and then they go off to the country for a bit, and they have very long conversations about things. Well, you know, and I enjoy two characters having long conversations. There was just obviously a little bit more variety, I guess, in the in the flashback stuff because they could they could be sort of working on different levels. There'd be the, you know, the fun one, the fun flashbacks, and then sort of maybe the slightly more scarring flashbacks you know and it told more of a story whereas this one was yeah was a bit more contemplative but what did you think of the I mean we can get into this a little bit when we go into our criteria but what did you think of how the um animation sort of reflected that difference between the past and the present did you think that was an effective
1: technique oh yeah definitely because like like you pointed out the the flashbacks are a little bit more muted And they even have kind of like that fuzziness sometimes in the, in the frames, Um, which I, yeah, I thought that was beautiful. It was one of the first things I noticed. I was like, Oh, we're in a flashback because you're kind of, they're kind of like setting those rules for us. It's like, okay, when you see this type of stuff, you're in the past. Um, And then, Oh my gosh. yeah, There were so many beautiful moments in the present. Like when she was driving to the country and one of the shots that it stuck with me was they're like driving into the country and the the road and everything on the road stays still and then just like the horizon in the background kind of moves up as to show that like you know they're, they're moving on the road and I thought that was so 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 beautiful and also with the shot which I again it just felt like a film or a movie rather live action is when it looks up through like kind of the sunroof and you can see the skies clouds and trees moving as they're driving but it's like straight up, straight up shot, and it's like, why would you need that in an animated film? And like, oh, but it was so beautiful.
0: Yeah, I think, I think Takahata does try to more than Miyazaki, obviously, challenge what, um, what you can do with the animated art form or what sort of stories you can and should be telling. Um, and that's why, I, I, that's why I love his movies. All of his movies look completely different from the next. I mean. You know, like the animation style here is quite different to what you see in Grave of the Fireflies. And then when you get to his next movie, Pompoco, that's mm-hmm. especially different. And, yeah, actually, they're, they're all completely different from each other, um, and that's what I love about them. Like, one more thing on the visuals before we get to favourite shots and favourite sequences. You you mentioned sort of it, it it sort of establishes a set of rules around, you know, what the sort of past and the present looks like. But I think it's also quite, he does a lot of very random things. Like you mentioned with, the Puma sort of logo appearing on screen <laughs> randomly. Like you wouldn't expect in a sort of very naturalistic drama that it would do stuff like that. And also right. a lot of the time it, in the past where it sort of just goes off into sort of a fantasy sequence. Because at the first the, all the scenes in the past are very, like, yeah, muted, um, sort of slightly pale, washed-out colour scheme. But then it's also following the visual logic of, like the logic of a you know 10 year old girl you know where you know at one moment it's sort of you know very muted and sad and then it's sort of love hearts in the sky and she's floating through the air because a boy likes her I like that the movie just sort of was able to do random things like that in a movie that seems quite like set and specific about its visual styling and then just randomly it's like oh we'll have a fantasy sequence even though it's in like the muted past, like it, it played around with a lot of things, and I, I like that it it didn't feel like it was sort of stuck in, in those formats that uh, are set out at the beginning of the movie to distinguish the present and the, the past. Do you have a favorite shot and sequence?
1: Yeah, I think I kind of jumped the gun. Uh, <laughs> my favorite sequence would definitely be her driving into the country. I just thought that that was beautiful. Like any time it wasn't focusing on the car, but even when it was focusing on the car, like seeing the how they would animate them moving and the the, the scenery behind them changing through the car, even was beautiful. Um, so that definitely was my favorite um, sequence. And then that shot of the of the car cutting the road not moving. Sorry, I like totally jumped the gun on that. How about you?
0: Oh, like yeah, there are so many. I mean, obviously, it's not. It's not a movie that does sort of big, crazy visual things, apart from maybe a few of those um, fantasy sequences, which are very few and far between. There's, I think the sequence I like the most, and it's a mix of visuals, but then also how sort of accurately it captures sort of the awkwardness of youth, is when after the baseball game in the past where she's walking home and it's kind of like it's a sunset and then she, she runs into Hirota, who is the, basketball, the baseball player who um, she has oh, a bit of a crush yeah. on, it's like their first meeting, basically. And they're just sort of, he's standing there and she's basically just going to walk past unless he says something. And then he says something. And then they're just sort of standing on the street, but like looking in different directions. And there's like a beautiful sunset in the background. Like, I just, I love that whole sequence. And then like, maybe my favorite, it's, it's not my favorite shot in that it's like a beautifully captured image. But within that sequence, um, I, I he asks her like what type of, day she likes like cloudy sunny or rainy or something cause that's his that's his way of making small talk with her because he had nothing else to say um because <laughs> you know he's an idiot child like we all were um but she likes the same sort of day as him and then as soon as she says like cloudy day there's like an insert shot of like a baseball glove catching a ball like to to signify like yes strike like you know you you won basically by um having that connection with Mm -hmm. her and I just love that random strike balling like balling kind of (laughs) shot just like such another example of like a very random thing like almost a flashback within the flashback um and that's probably like my favorite shot within that sequence which I I would say is my favorite sequence shall we get to our five takahata criteria so we're rating all of these five criteria out of two and then by the end we'll have a second score of 10 out of 10 and then we will get our actual rating out of 10 and then we'll combine them so
1: environmental concerns out of two what what, what would you give that eh, i'm gonna say zero because that 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 quantifies slim to none and i think the slim would be um her desire to go out into the country and do this manual labor to to make things and They talk about how they use every single part of those, those flowers to get the dye, to make the paste, to do it all. And so that's where the slim moment comes in for me. How about you?
0: You know, I actually put two down. Um, And I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it. They're a very like, I mean, it's, this isn't about, you know, deforestation bad or something, but there's very, very long discussions about the farming industry and how farmers have to work together with nature to make it sustainable. And like the all, all, all the, the, you know, there's probably like, you know, 20 minute of discussions about how farmers are the greatest people in the world. And it's, it basically <laughs> all comes down to how much they, like, this is really pro-farmer, um, not big farmer, like farming. Um, yeah, basically all... Um, comes down to how farmers you know are attuned with the land and look mm. after it and how nature in turn gives back with its bounty kind of um so i'm taking that to be that it's sort of it's concerned about environmental issues so I, i'm I'm sticking with 10 there uh two there
1: uh what about a unique animation style uh yeah, two two for sure i Why? didn't expect um Just even the way, I, you know, let's go back to the part where she's in that house and she hears herself and her younger self and she turns around and she sees her family and everyone there and then it kind of melds into that. Or uh, do any of the panning shots and going into a a flashback, I think that was very, very unique. And like you mentioned earlier, uh, animating a 27-year-old girl for just a character film. (laughs) I think that's pretty unique. Yeah, I also gave it to... I actually have a quote here. I don't do this often, but
0: um, I just read it and I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted to say. Um, it's from RogerEber.com, uh, Glenn Kenny's review, four out of four. It um, says, in the flashback sequences, Takahata's spectacular use of negative space, the details of a softball field stretching out into a big field of white in the frame, for instance, gives a palpable sense of a world only partially regained to the senses. And I really enjoy that um, because, yeah, everything is, it's not quite, you know, the, the scenes in the past are not quite as sharp. They're washed out. Like you can't always see like, you know, what's happening in the background because that's, mm-hmm. you know, you're like only a memory.
1: Part-
0: yeah, exactly. You're remembering what's in your field of vision and everything is sort of a little bit muted around the edges. Yeah. Especially when they're outdoors and everything sort of becomes sort of washed out and white. I like the idea that, you know, a, a world only partially remembered, um, Mm-hmm. and that like yeah basically everything that happens all the, all the visual elements of the past I think are sort of and how that connects with the scenes of the of the modern day I think uh what makes the animation unique now what about a distinctly Japanese narrative
1: um I would give it oh that's kind of I'd give it a one because I think that there are aspects of it like, I mean, it takes place in Japan, but the, the narrative of the character itself is, I would say, I don't want to say universal because I'm not saying everyone in the world goes through that exact same <laughs> experience, but I think that a lot of human beings can see themselves in that, in, in the things that happen within this film, so I'd give it a one.
0: I agree in in the sense that, you know, the, her story isn't particularly... Um it's something that could apply to, you know, 27 year olds the world over, but I, I gave it to, mm-hmm. I actually gave two for all of these spoilers. Um, I, I think, Spoiler alert. I mean, I can't really speak to, you know, whether this is something that, you know, you know, traditional narrative for a Japanese woman, but I think the sort of the conversations that are taking place where she's positioned, there are certain cultural things that I feel make it very specific, like the sort of, that sort of fight between the urban world versus sort of the rural setting. I mean, that's obviously something that we, we have those discussions here, but I feel like it's this, the the discussions in the movie are very particular to Japan. Um, just even the fact that because she walks out of the house without her shoes on that her father slaps her. Um, it's a very specific cultural detail. Mm-hmm. The sort of, I mean, you know, the patriarchy of the family, even though we obviously have that in Western society as well, that felt very specific to this particular time and place, the sort of Japanese thoughts on, you know, work ethic and study, um, you know, how important it is, you know. I mean, again, we have those we, we have those discussions in, you know, the Western world. Um, but I think the way that it's treated is very specific um, to that, you know, that Japanese sense of, of a work ethic um, and, like, her being this sort of... Mm-hmm salary woman who deep down always wanted to be maybe someone in the creative world but that was never nurtured and then she's always sort of regretted that she now has like sort of a boring office job and she has fantasies about living these living you know a life on the land even though she knows nothing about it really and like she admits she's just kind of living a fantasy for a couple weeks and then we'll go back to her you know everyday urban existence I, I feel like there are things that we can definitely relate to but they're so specific in the way they're dealt with in the movie that I think they're distinctly Japanese. How about interest in the passing of time? <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely a two. I don't
1: even think I need to elaborate on that one.
0: No, let's let's not bother. But yes, so that's that's definitely a two. What about the last one? A focus on food.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd give that a two. Like there's there's aspects of the, the family, there's aspects of it's like you've hit you've talked about a lot the farming aspect and um, yeah, I would definitely give it too.
0: Yeah, I gave it too as well. I mean, I guess it's it's on two fronts. It's sort of on the the front of like like I talked about in the sort of environmental concern part. You know, the the growing and nurturing of you know fresh crops and things like that. But then there's also the role that food plays in sort of everyday social Mm -hmm. and familial existence There's like a whole scene is around that pineapple and trying it for the first time and what Mm -hmm. that means for the family there's the whole sort of subplot about her being a fussy eater um and like swapping her onion no yeah her onion for like the boy's (laughs) milk in class and how you can only get rid of the dinner
1: table together with the family
0: yeah constantly um yeah and yeah and how Mm -hmm. that sort of family time is important and like you know, that, that dinner time is important. I think the, the mother says something like, "I'd rather you were, I don't know, I'd rather you were a good eater than a good essay writer," which is sort of a very <laughs> mum thing to say. Um, so it's not very nice. Obviously, you should be nurturing her essay writing abilities. Um, <laughs> yeah. So out of ten for those, what, what did you give it? I I gave it ten out of ten.
1: Oh, I must have given it a say. No, say, seven. Did I? I don't know, I didn't I didn't <laughs> That's right. I, I, <laughs> I didn't write it. Down. I think you gave
0: it yeah, six, six, six or seven. Six or um, seven. Um and then out of ten for the movie itself, um I know you really hated it. So what
1: so what does that um come to? God, I did not hate it. No, I'd give it an eight. <laughs> for you that's hating, but for me that's that's really good. So I gave it an eight. Uh, I How I also you? I also gave it an eight. Um Ooh, yeah, so I agree. Uh, Yeah,
0: I I do love the movie and I I love it specifically for those, uh, the very specific details. Like it's such, it's as character driven as we'll get in any of these movies. It's literally like just all of those moments hit um, so well because they were just played so realistically, but still had sort of, you know, a visual um, beauty and perspective to them without being sort of particularly showy. But yeah, the, the two, the two points lost is mainly for, I think that, bit of unbalance between my interest in the flashback and the modern day and then also the the narration which sort of I felt I felt a bit um on the nose and like just generally I I didn't care that much at the end about not that the movie cares I don't think the point of the movie is that this is a romance and she gets with a guy at the end Uh, yeah like you know it takes place over the end credits like it's just kind of that's a nice thing that happens it's true and I an afterthought. I do like that last scene, like where the the kids are throwing her. But I'm also like, I got to that point where I was like, oh I don't, I don't really care if she's with this guy. I mean, it's nice, like he's a nice guy, but you know, I don't know what this means for her character. not that that really matters. But like, I wasn't like, I didn't get to the end and I was like, oh, I'm really, I really care about that sort of romantic element of the story. Like, I, I didn't dislike it, but I mean, that's often not my favorite part of a, a story. I, I, was, I just don't get. I'm not a shipper, you know. What did you think of, of, the,
1: yeah. of the romance element? No, I completely agree. I didn't really care for it. I mean, but that's the point. I don't think that, I think that that was like, it was cool that it that, that wasn't the focal point. It was about her. And that this was just another aspect of her life. And so that's why I love that it happened in the credits because it was like, uh, it didn't need to happen, but it sure throw the audience a bone if somebody wanted them to end up together. Here you go. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Pardon me almost would have liked if she just sort of, you know, went home and just sort of kept living her life. And it's like, this was a nice part, but anyway, I mean,
1: but if you turn the movie off right when it ends, that's what happens. Yeah,
0: basically that's true. Yeah. She gets on the, she gets on the train and then cut to black. Okay. Bye. Um, <laughs> do you have any, any other points you want to raise? Any, anything you want to
1: chat about in relation to this? Um, no, I think we covered pretty much everything that I have in my notes. of the things that I wanted to cover, um, I will say, I was triggered immediately when she got to the train station and (laughs) the guy was standing or sitting there on the bench and made me think of Grave of the Fireflies. So triggered (laughs) me.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. We haven't (laughs) discussed connections at all. Um, To be honest, I think this is quite different from most of the other movies. It's very different. If we're only connecting say other works from the same director, I suppose the, the connective tissue here is maybe that they spend quite a bit of time out in the country, but obviously the context yeah. is quite different. Um, and the focus is quite different as well. Do you have anything you want to say from a, how, how does this connect to um, Grave of the Fireflies to you?
1: Um, other than it's just like uh, kind of more, i a more Japanese narrative, even though I think it's a little less than Grave of the Fireflies. And I think it's more like the categories that you, you, that we went through. So I think there is connective tissue, but it's more, it's more uh, thematically rather than like the films themselves or what they're saying. But yeah.
0: You're interested to see what Takahata has in store next time.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So our next movie will be Porco Rosso. And then in a few movies, we'll um, get back to Takahata.
1: So I will see you next time for Porco Rosso. See ya.